when I think about the word pitch, I think a pitcher is trying to get something by you. They're trying to throw you a fastball. They're trying to get you out. And that's not what business development should be like. What's up, people? You're listening to A Quick Read, an advertising podcast that talks book smarts and street smarts with the people who have been there, done that. Today's guest is Curiosity's Chief Development Officer, partner, and Adweek woman trailblazer, Ashley Walters. She navigates the space between art and commerce and hops on the improv stage with Yes And by Leonard and Yorton. You know what to do. Tune in and turn up. What's up, Ashley? What's up, my friend? Oh my gosh, we're in the studio. Who would have thought? Wow, this is my second show in in real life. It feels crazy, right? Oh my gosh, it feels so good to see you. Although we're still like six feet apart. Yes, we are, there's there are all the things, all the precautions, but yeah, it's so good to be in real life with people. Agreed. So a lot has happened since we first met, right? Back a lot on of the things. cherry farm. Yeah. So those of you listening, I worked with Ashley. She was at another agency. I was working with a media company and we were doing some influencer content at a cherry farm in Michigan uh, near Traverse City, which if you've never been, I highly recommend it. It's beautiful. And we were doing this uh, this sort of um, collaboration between a, an ice cream brand and a cherry brand. It was awesome. It was really, really cool. I mean, cherry season in the cherry capital of the world for one of the largest retailers in the world. It was perfect. So that's where I first got to know you and sort of, you know, what you were up to. Um, So I'm I'm super stoked to have you on the show because a lot has happened since then. That's right. You, you are a powerful woman. Oh, man. You have stepped into your moment. No better time than now, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So um, before we get into some of that backstory, you know, I love the book you selected today. So to, to kind of learn about your journey, you've selected Yes And, um, which is a book written by uh, Kelly Leonard and Tom Yorton. Um, why that book? A few years ago, I became obsessed with the correlation between comedy, specifically improv, and some of the challenges and opportunities I was facing in my own personal and professional world. I mean, I am not funny. I am not a comedian, (laughs) but I was so impressed by their confidence and their ability to tell a story with a team and really step into um, the idea of storytelling in a really impactful way way. And I remember specifically a moment, you know, I I do a lot of sales. uh, So a lot of pitching, right? I'm meeting a lot of strangers for the first time and I have to be confident and know everything there is to know about their business. And I was in a boardroom and the, the lights were low and the energy was low and there was 20 people on their side in this huge conference room. And we're presenting slide after slide after slide. And I look over (laughs) and the CMO is asleep. The one person I need to feel something is taking a nap. And I knew then, like, I've got to change something. What tools and techniques can I use to to change the game and to have the confidence to, like, step into that leadership? And for me, it started with yes and. Wow, that's awesome. So we're going to jump into some of the big ideas from the book. But before that, let's get back to the backstory. Now, you say you're not funny, 
No. But in in my observation in life, all great drama has comedy and all great comedy is a drama. So your journey to this point, uh, t- tell us that journey. Tell us the drama and the comedy of it. You know, did you always, did you wake up one day or graduate high school and say, I want to be in advertising? Kind of, <laughs> a little bit. But my journey to get there maybe is a little dramatic, suppose. Um, I always knew I wanted to be in communications or public relations. I actually ran a radio show in high school. I was the afternoon yes. radio show host, uh, which was The Beef, um, which I think back <laughs> on very fondly. I learned a lot. Do you remember the, your call? What was your opening? Did you have a calling card or, or something that you did? You were listening to The Beef. We were Trisha and Ashley in the afternoon. I remember that. Yes. <laughs> but we did have the best time slot because it was when all the kids were in their car driving home from school. So they were tuning in and listening, which That's was a blast. Awesome. It was an absolute blast. But I learned a lot there about public relations, about you know event planning and things like that. So I went to Miami University. I studied strategic communications and public relations. Got my first internship here in town with a company at the time. It was called Strategy Communications. Yeah. And it just fueled my my passion for PR, essentially, word of mouth marketing, social media marketing, influencer marketing. And that's really what I did for the first half of my career. I I worked on big brands, little brands. I led huge influencer campaigns. Um, I worked very closely with creative teams and media teams to bring those ideas to life. And then one day it just switched into a sales role. You know, my, huh. my boss at the time who has been a mentor of mine kind of saw something in me and said, hey, I, I think you might have something in sales. And I'm like, <laughs> no way, man, I'm not in sales. I don't like salespeople, mm-hmm. um, but I, I was willing to give it a try if he was willing to give me my old job back if I totally sucked at it. And I never looked back. And so that's kind of what I've been doing for the last, I don't know, maybe 10 years is really finding the connection between sales and marketing. Because I truly believe that they have to live together. And I think it's a shame when companies separate the two. Because I think that, you know, marketing teams create these amazing stories that a sales team can then go sell. And then the more we sell, the more brilliant stories our marketing teams can create. And so that's really just been the foundation of uh, what I've been doing for the last 10 years. And now I'm at Curiosity running sales and marketing as kind of my day job. Uh, I was just named partner in January, which is phenomenal. Thank you. And that title, man, it's, it's uh, a, it's development, development, chief development officer. It's a little dramatic. Yeah. What do you, what do you, (laughs) can you give us a little more context to that? We have listeners on the show. Some listeners have, you know, they're, they're old hat. They've been in this game for a long time. You have people that we admire, you know, and there's other people that um, are just getting into advertising and, and for them, this is sort of a way in. So for those early listeners who are trying to get in the game, trying to get into advertising, trying to understand it, and maybe they're interested in some of the things you're, you're going to be saying today. What what is that chief development officer role really entail? Like on just to give us some context on that sort of day to day and sort of you know maybe drill down a little bit, but then that bigger picture. Yeah, it's actually something we talked a lot about. You know, is it chief marketing officer or is it something different? And for me, it was more than chief marketing officer. I love the idea of development, developing people, developing ideas. Part of what I do, yes, is sales, very traditional sales, prospecting, pitching, uh, very traditional marketing, pitching the press, uh, you know, creating all of our content from the agency. But the other part is 
uh, building new products mm-hmm. for us to sell, new capabilities for us to sell, developing our people, things like that. So for me, um, it's a it's a great creative outlet for me to be thinking very future focused about what's next, what does the market need from an advertising agency, and then putting the people and the processes in place to make that happen for curiosity. Yeah. That's a big task. Yeah, but it's so fun. I mean, this industry is <laughs> yeah. is so amazing. Well, and you've 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 been able to have a lot of fun with the brand. I love what you guys are oh, doing man. with the dead cats and curiosity, and you're like all in on this sort of really bespoke pink color. Uh, is it pink? There's probably yes. a, you got a name for this color. Is oh, this yeah. a Pantone? It, what, what it, are, it is a pink what color. What do you guys call it? I knew you were going to ask me that. And I don't know. <laughs> we need to go call Jeff Foreman. <laughs> yeah. And he, he has the whole list of whatever. I don't want to call it the wrong thing. I feel like I you know, get backlash from Every the, color from does the curiosity have a name. kids. Yeah, yeah. No, we have had a ton of fun. You know, it's one of the the things that I think we're all really proud of that happened just before the pandemic yeah. hit. Like the, the timing couldn't have been any better, but we decided early last year we were going to double down on ourselves. And it started with, you know, asking ourselves a lot of deep, hard questions yeah. about who we want to be when we grow up and what is our story and our platform. And well, it, with a name like Curiosity, you got to live the brand, right? You so you got to you got to go deep inward before you can go outward, right? You really do. And, and so we... A new identity kind of manifest out of that. Our story really developed out of that. Our philosophy. Um, we have a beautiful website that I'm really proud of, and that has just been a, you know a catapult into a very successful year of pitching. Wow. Essentially, we you know we brought on about 13 new clients over the last year and a half, and I think it's partly because our story it's resonating. Yeah. That's great. And it sounds like you guys are living out this sort of first big idea from the book, this idea of yes and. And so you're looking inward first as a company and you're saying, okay, this is kind of who we are. And then you're looking at your clients and you're saying, yes, and we can we can do this sort of thing. So in this first idea, you know, one of the things from the book says, when a problem when problem solving, even a bad idea is just a bridge to a better idea. So when we talk about the yes and philosophy, tell me a little bit about how that's playing out right now in your career and what you're doing. When is that moment of building on to ideas with a yes and working? Have you ever been to an improv show? Yes. It's crazy to me how you can get a group of people on stage and it really, they, they kind of set the environment, right? But that's it. They don't know what's going to come out of their mouths. They mm-hmm. don't know the next character that's going to come on the scene. But the way they're successful is through this philosophy of yes and. They build on each other. They don't shut each other down. Mm-hmm. And there's so many applications in the business world. If you just think about the last brainstorm you sat in, mm-hmm. if somebody brings an idea to the table and you say, yes, but we've done that before. Mm-hmm. Yes, but, well, we couldn't do that. We don't have enough time. We don't have enough money. Yes, but, 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 but. Well, mm-hmm. you just start to shut down yeah. the creativity. You start to instill fear in people. If you just reverse that, you might have some of the same ideas running mm-hmm. through your head. We can't afford it. We don't have enough time. But if you just simply say the two words, yes, and, mm-hmm. and add your flavor to that idea, you can really start to build a, br- build a bridge to something really creative and unique. And so it is, it is a philosophy that I've personally practiced a lot in my personal life, in my professional life. I try to always meet an idea with a yes and attitude and actually physically say those words before yeah. I add any value to it. And you can really get to something pretty groundbreaking. I'll give you one, one small example. Um, you know, agency holiday cards. Uh-huh. They're fun, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, always. 
you know, sometimes they manifest into like a digital email that ends up going into, you know, a CMO's trash can at some point. Or maybe you you build something, you know, that you're kind of half-heartedly proud of, but you don't ever think about it again. Yeah. And so last year, you know, we're in the middle of quarantine and, you know, we got a lot of ideas going, but we had a brainstorm about what's our holiday card going to be like this year or our holiday experience, as we call it. (laughs) And, you know, one of the first ideas on the table was what if we built a game? Well, yes, but we're not game builders. Yes, but how would we even like come to a a conclusion in which that's going to be feasible in the next three weeks? Like, give me a break. Well, instead of thinking about it like that, the group really brought the yes and mentality. Yes, and what if we actually produced a physical game? Yes, and what if we sold it? Yes, and what if we tied it to our philosophy of question everything? (gasps) Yes, and what if it was a question game? (laughs) And so you can just kind of see how the ideation starts to roll. And guess what? At the end of that, we had come up with this concept of taking our philosophy of question everything and turning it into a game that people could play at home while in corn quarantine, all centered around provocative questions that we can ask ourselves and get some real relationship and dialogue going. And in fact, we ended up selling it. In fact, it's still on our website for sale today. So it's become this like what could have just been a holiday card or or something really small. It really, yes, and allowed us to turn it into an idea that will probably stick around forever for curiosity. Wow. That's, that's a powerful story. Now that's, that's inside. Do you have any moments, you know, over the years, maybe not even at Curiosity, maybe maybe in a, a past experience where you're in that boardroom that you talked about in the opening, where you're you're pitching an idea or maybe you're in a, um, a review process with a client, you, you're showing them some work or whatever it might be. Thinking back on that, maybe you didn't know it then or maybe you, you've got something recent where that yes and became really pivotal. Pivotal? Pivot, I pivotal. Like that. Pivotal. We love to invent or new pi- words or pivotable <laughs> with um, with a client where where maybe they were resistant and you were able to use a yes and to turn it into something else. Yeah, I mean, if you just go back to the cherry farm that we were on, you know, I think um, we were working with a very large retailer, and part of their challenge was new product innovation. And the traditional model of new innovation, it was all coming out of R&D. And uh, R&D was getting a little stagnant, you know? Yes, vanilla ice cream sells, right? <laughs> but like, what's next? What's yeah. next? And the process that they had created was eliminating a lot of really forward-thinking ideas mm-hmm. because they relied on testing panels. And a testing panel is not going to tell you they want more huckleberry ice cream. Well, and they give you lots of butts. They give you a, a lot, lot of butts lot there. Of butts. Well, it's okay, but I, you know, I wish it was this or it, it doesn't have that. Exactly. You're exactly right. And so the idea that we brought to the table was what if we leverage influencers and allow them to have a seat at the R&D table and tell us what they want and what their communities want and what they're asking for. They're the Epicureans in their neighborhoods, so to speak. And so by just flipping that and allowing some new voices and authorities to come in and help educate us on the ands, the yes ands, we were able to produce... Uh, I think 30 new ice cream flavors. Yeah, it was wild. It was wild and actually put some of them into production, you know, across, you know, all 3,000 of their stores. So um, it's just a good example of how you can take, you know, a very tried and true traditional process that's maybe worked really well for you. Yeah. But if you just yes and it and think about it a little bit differently, um, you can open a whole new world of possibilities. Yeah. And that that really points to the next big idea. 
you know, when you talked about that um, sort of community curation of those flavors, this idea that, you know, in that moment, really what was built was an ensemble. It was really a group of people who all had room at the table to contribute versus more of a hierarchical idea of like only the taste master can give the flavor. So, you know, when talking about building an ensemble, how's that, you know, panning out in your current practice and what you're doing, whether it's your team or at your agency as a whole, um, how important is it to have ensemble philosophy over this sort of maybe older, archaic, um, you know, I'm at the top, you're at the bottom mentality? I think it's a massive differentiator for us. I mean, hierarchy has its place, right? Yeah. You know, and yes and also has an ending point too. At some point, you've got to stop the yes and, right? <laughs> yeah. And we always say you have to have the courage and the commitment to then bring that idea to life, which is a whole nother set of principles. But having an ensemble, a group of folks who come together with a shared vision, a shared passion is a differentiator. And for us, we brought this to life in a really big way last year. So, you know, if you think about business development at most agencies, it's uh, um, a little lackluster, I guess, would be Mm. a good way to experience it. I mean, I've seen it work really well and I've seen it work really poorly when it's like something that's done in a back corner. It's hidden. Not a lot of people know about it. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of people are involved. You reserve it for your C-suite or your most eloquent executives. (laughs) And it leaves a lot of people wondering, well, why not me? Or how can I get involved? Or what are you guys even doing in there? (laughs) And I think ensemble is a really cool way to think about business development in a totally different capacity. And that's what we did. So last year, we killed the idea of pitch teams. Okay. And we brought on an ensemble. And how we did it, though, is where I think the brilliance lies. Because having an ensemble, people who feel like they can be part of the group is great, but they have to have a playbook or a roadmap. They have to have the education, the foundation to be successful, or you're just going to have a bunch of people on stage, right? And they're not going to know what to do. So we created a pitch playbook, literally a document. It's beautiful. I'll have to show it to you sometime. (laughs) But it, it encapsulates like all the bumps and bruises and beautiful moments of business development from that first phone call all the way through to the marriage, you know, when you both say, I do. And we trained our entire staff on it. So you actually cannot even be a curiosity employee right now without understanding how to run a pursuit and be part of a pursuit. Whatever your role in the ensemble is, you do have a role. And what's really cool is we went from having like five or six people who could participate to now having 60. And I've yet to hear a client say to me, you know what? I really want to meet the pitch team. No, Mm. they say, I want to meet my team, the team that's going to work on my business. Mm. And that's what the ensemble mentality allows you to do. It puts the trust in the people, but you've got to put the time in to train them. But then they all can kind of rise up together and be part of the experience. Wow, man. I know a lot of people right now are just dying to get their hands on that document. (laughs) Maybe maybe Curiosity's love for Curiosity can publish the yeah. inner workings for everyone else's curiosity. <laughs> Maybe I'll write a book. <laughs> um, I love how you said pursuit. I love that. That, that clearly is language you're, you guys are using. And I think when I think about an ensemble or I think of an improv group, they're clearly in pursuit of something as well, right? They're in pursuit of, of a moment in time, of a crowd reaction, that sort of thing. What led you to use that language? I find that interesting, um, you know, to, to use that word. Um, and how is that How's that changed how you guys approach new business? So I, when you think about 
the word pitch, because that's the other word Mm. that people would use commonly. When I think about the word pitch, I think a pitcher is trying to get something by you. Mm. They're trying to throw you a fastball. They're trying to get you out. Mm. And that's not what business development should be like. We should be more inclusive. It should be about being in pursuit of something together with the prospect, us together. I'm not trying to pull something over on a new client. That's not a great way to build a relationship. Mm. And so if you just change that nomenclature just a little bit, and you think about it just a little bit differently, it becomes more inclusive. And some of the things that you might do as part of that process will change. You get the prospect involved into Mm. the process versus trying to get one over on them. Wow. You're like a you're like a relationship coach right now. Now, if the people are listening, they're, they're, they're tapping into other spectrums of their life thinking, okay, maybe I can apply some of these things. Well, it's, it's true. Business development is a yeah. lot like building a relationship. It's a lot like dating. And some of those fundamental principles that exist in dating apply to when you meet a prospect for the first time. You yeah. know, Are you gonna talk about yourself the first time you meet a potential uh, girlfriend or boyfriend? Yeah. No, you're gonna ask them questions and you're gonna be inquisitive because you wanna get to know them a little bit more. Yeah. So little things like that, um, I think are very true. Wow, this is good. So all of you listening out there, you know, this is a, let's just take a moment and recognize, we got a little sub learning today that's outside of advertising, maybe with your partner. Stop pitching the ideas that you want out of life, the car you want to drive, the vacation you want to take. Start pursuing maybe what they want. That's right. Man, look at this. We're, we're getting into some new areas. We're getting into some new areas. I love this. Um, you know, I think that, um, you know, one of the things that the, the third idea uh, from this book that, that this leans towards is, you know, it's hard to pursue someone. It's hard to build ensemble. It's hard to um, get into a yes and space if there's no trust, if, if the environment's not safe, if it's, you know, if it's broken. So this idea of a safe environment, create a safe environment for people, for those ideas to build upon. Um, in the book, there's a passage that says, in business and in life, before you can get people to change their behavior, they have to change their attitudes. And before they can change their attitudes, they have to understand there's a situation that needs to be viewed differently. So I'd like you to talk about that for a minute in your practice and and where you've evolved to in your career. How important is it to create those safe spaces and how how does that enable people to maybe see the world a little differently? I think creating a safe space is really important because that's when we can become vulnerable and brilliance comes from being vulnerable. And one of the one of the ways yes and the book will will teach you to do that is this notion of bring a brick not a cathedral. And if you just boil that down a little bit, if you encourage your team members, they don't have to come to the table with a cathedral every time. Even us as leaders, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. We have to solve every problem. We have to be right. We We have to think it through all the way to the end. That's not necessarily the case. And so what we encourage our people to do, and certainly I do on my team, is just bring a brick. Bring one idea, bring one solution that you think could be right. And if you bring one, Brandon and I bring one, and five other people on the team bring one, together we can start to construct what might look like a final solution or a cathedral. Yeah, that's that's definitely something to um, consider because I think everyone wants to feel like 
they've put their mark on something and they want it to feel like it's their basilica or it's their uh their masterpiece their notre dame um how how do you get people though to realize that just one brick has value because i think some people look at it and go oh well you know well you're the you're the director of you know business strategy and development you know you're you're saying you're bringing one brick but you're kind of bringing a cornerstone you know i'm just i'm just a team member you know my brick's not really that important i guess how do you coach a team or you know got people that maybe feel like you know their contributions insignificant how do you pull out of them to get them to that safe space where they really start to bring their full potential yeah i mean i think it starts with us as leaders you know i think if if we come into the room and come into every meeting with an idea and we throw it on the table, it's your you know the team is going to re- respond to that in a specific way. So a lot of times we'll sit back and listen and watch and observe and allow you allow others to to start that conversation and start to bring their ideas to the table before you speak up. Um, I think, but another one is that. Um, Everybody, everybody wants to have the best idea, right? You want your boss to say, oh, that's mm-hmm. a great idea. Um, but really, you have to be in pursuit of the idea. And great ideas can come from anywhere. So as long as as your team is feeling like they're they're contributing and um, they're they're making their way towards the idea, that's a good thing. And and another another thing that we talk a lot about is feedback. And um, we'll say, you know, feedback it's a gift, and mm-hmm. you need to give it like it's a gift. So give it plentiful, right? When you spot an opportunity to give feedback, give it to them, positive feedback and opportunities for improvement. But you also need to receive feedback like it's a gift. Mm. Unwrap it carefully, you know, really soak it in and and appreciate the gift that you've been given. And I think if you can create that kind of cycle where you encourage vulnerability, you encourage ideation, but you're also able to give feedback on the back end of it as well, you create this kind of trust circle where, people come yeah. to the table and they're more willing willing and freely able to to share their ideas. Yeah, and I think that's so true in improv as well, you know, like it is the the feedback is the glue, you know, if we're in a in an exercise or a yes and, you know, where we're, you know, um, you know, pretending that we own a restaurant together. Um, I can only be as good as the feedback I'm getting from you, right? So I'm listening to what you're saying to build on to that to kind of, you know, get there. You know, it's interesting that you pulled out feedback. I was had the opportunity to be a part of Seth Godin's Alt MBA program, and um, that's really one of the huge uh, factors of that whole program. Is you you do a lot of writing of what are what we call prompts, and those prompts typically are very you know EQ self reflective type of prompts. And so you write these little mini essays, and it's like you write tons of them. So like within a a, a month long, two month long sprint that you're in this program. You're, it's almost like just massive, intense group therapy, you know? And so you're writing these prompts, but then you're in a group of, say, four people. And writing the prompt is one thing. Getting radical candor feedback from three people that you don't know, that they don't really have any reason for you to like them. You know what I mean? Like they're just put, they're giving it to you straight. Wow, what an experience that was cuz you really are faced with what what do I do with this? Like, you know, like they're they're just giving me what they feel is true here. And so to have to like you said to unwrap that feedback and try to process that which is true, that which is good, try to find the value in it was a was a really 
um, humbling experience. It is, and I bet you came out on the other side of that so much more impactful. Oh man, yeah. And with more confidence. I think sometimes we we are afraid to give feedback to people when in fact, I think we can look back on leaders, I do at least in my career, and I can pinpoint very specific mm. feedback I was given and how it changed the trajectory of my career. And and we need to do that for others as well. And yeah. they need to give us feedback too. So if you create that like kind of safe space where feedback is actually appreciated and it is kind of treated as a gift, who doesn't want to get a gift, right? Yeah. Then I think you can kind of change the game a little bit. So let's let's just kind of jump into for the listeners. Let's start with sort of the younger audience. So people wanting to maybe work at a place like Curiosity. Um, what are some of the common things that you guys see? What are the the things you know? Let's say in your department of strategy, business development, client service, those type of areas. Um, what are some of those things where you're like, man, here's some global feedback that all the listeners go ahead and take notes because this seems to be a pattern. What, what is it that young people coming into advertising and marketing, what do they need to know? One of the things I'm most impressed by the, the younger folks who are coming in is their willingness to ask questions and to not be afraid to not know. I think sometimes we'll hold our questions and we'll write them in the side of the mm. book and we'll Google them later. And, and you know, some of that's okay. But the ones who come in and they have confidence in their question because they've been listening. And so, you know, the question's really good because they, they pulled cues from the conversation. Man, that always, after every meeting, I'll always send them a note and say, well done, because mm. it takes a lot of gut to be new, to be young, and to ask questions when you've got, you know, a large group of folks who've been working together for a long time yeah. on the phone. So that really impresses me. I love that sense of confidence merged with vulnerability. I think that's great. Um, I think networking is just huge. The more you guys can network, the the better for everybody. You know, every time you meet somebody, connect with them on LinkedIn or Twitter or Instagram and never let them go because you never know where that's going to pay off for you in the end. I mean, I know that was certainly true for me and I see it with a lot of young folks who I maybe talked to two years ago and I didn't have an opening and now I do and they're back. And that's always really fun to watch. Yeah. So what I heard was being able to confidently step into and own the things that you're not an expert in. And when you do that in a way that's respectful and it shows that you're really wanting to learn, that becomes, you know, not a position of weakness, but a position of tremendous opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. It absolutely does. And I think too, you know, the more you can just have clarity, clarity in your role, clarity in what the deliverables are, like push your manager, push your leader and, and seek that incredible clarity. Because I think it, sometimes we lack the clarity of what we want our folks to do and how we can be successful. And I love it when somebody will say to me, okay, this is what I heard. And this is what I'm going to be doing as a result of that. I, am I clear? Is that what your yeah. expectations are? And I'm always like, oh man, that's, that's yeah. a great conversation for well, us. And to I think too, like, like on this yes and conversation, you know, young talent, having this mindset, I think coming in to say, um, here's my understanding of a situation and then ask, almost ask for the yes and. Yes. Like, help me, help me make this better. Help my understanding better. Here's where I'm at. Give me a yes and. And then I think people who are a little further down the road are willing to say, 
Yes, that's a decent understanding. And let me help you with this or let me help you with that. Because I think what I've found, I always appreciate people when they come out and they want to be mentored or they want to be um, coached. Like, I love that. I love to share, you know, my knowledge. I would assume you'd feel the same way. Oh, exact same way. I mean, I can think about on so many mentors that I've had in my life who have helped open doors or helped me think about something a little bit differently. And you never forget those people. Yeah. Let's shift it for a second to another side of that of that structure. Um, you know, we talked about ensemble, but we did talk about hierarchy. There is a, there is there is a structure where somebody has to make decisions. You know, you've you've been through that gambit. You've been the new person coming in the door. You've worked, you know, your career, you know, and and built your way in the middle of understanding different things from PR to accounts and and now here you are, you know, a partner at a at a really fastly growing agency that's doing really well. Um, you've probably, um, in your position also as a, as a woman, you know, who, you know, is you're in the minority. Yeah. Um, you've probably seen some things at, at another level. How is that? Yes. And how is that feedback conversation? What, I guess, what would you say to some of these other leaders that you've come in, in, in touch with, or other people that are out there that might be the head of an agency in, in New York or LA or whatever, from your point of view, what would you say? Hey, you know, like this is this is some feedback that that I would give gift to you. What are those things that you see in that C suite area or in agencies that we just need to be more aware of? You know, I think one of the things is having eye troubles and not E Y E, but me and you troubles. I mm-hmm. think sometimes as leaders, it, it can feel very personal. You know, it's it's your business, it's your money, it's it's your baby in a lot of ways. And I think there are other people in the company that think like that too. For them, you know, it is their baby and mm-hmm. it's something that they want to nurture. And I think as leaders, if we can get out of the eye and think more about the collective, the ensemble, the, the people within the organization and, and what they need to be successful. For me, that's where where I've just seen a, a lot of success. You know, servant leadership is something that I definitely talk a lot about and I believe in. And, and how can I give you the tools and the things that you need to be successful so that the greater good, the greater ensemble is successful. So it sounds like the yes and is not just reserved for creatives and accounts. It can really be a C-suite conversation about leading business forward and overarching strategy and who we're becoming as an organization there's a there's a little bit of that improv. Would you say is that true? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of what we do is improv. I think even in HR, you know, a lot of what they do in in, in a, an environment where there are so many rules and strict guidelines and guardrails, I think there can be a lot of yes and in those environments too. It doesn't just have to be the you know the traditional creative teams. Yeah. What about let's explore for a minute this connection or this tension maybe between creative and client, you know, I mean, you lived in this space and I think a lot of times traditional, traditionally agencies and some of the narratives and stories we tell ourselves is sort of, it's, it's us versus them, you know, it's our creative vision. It's our baby. It's our groundbreaking award-winning idea. And it's just their money and their company. And, you know, they should appreciate that we're bringing in this, you know, golden pencil potential. <laughs> um, yet they're kind of like, you know, it's my con- company and my money and my family. And, you know, your gold pencil might might not be my profitability. So 
I'm interested to hear from your point of view, especially where you sit in between the two, sort of this buffer that can connect the dots on how this improvisation, yes, and technique can really connect the dots or, or be this sort of counselor in a relationship between the work and the sort of the client or the results. So talk a little bit about that. I think if you're if you're working with a client and you're thinking it's my idea, my, 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 again, you've got eye troubles and the relationship's not going to get off to a great start anyway. I think the best client agency relationships are when you guys feel equal share, equal share in the business, equal share in the, in the success and the sales. When I, for me, at least the best account managers that we have are the ones that get up every morning and they're checking their client sales results because they care just as much as the client does. In fact, they're oftentimes emailing the client like, oh my God, we had a great day yesterday. And the client doesn't even know what the sales are for the day. So to me, it's it's that shared passion. It's that shared commitment. And it's when you like shed the inhibitions and, and shed the, the eye issues that I think a lot of us just naturally kind of bring to the table. We have a process that we call the curious question session or a mm-hmm. CQ session. It's, um, I guess I might describe it a bit of as our superpower, okay. I guess. It's like part therapy, part gamification, part ideation and brainstorming. But what I love is that it is a session. It's a four hour session that we do with all of our clients. Now, like, is this like, before they become a client, in the middle of, is this celebratory as a kickoff? Is this you can do it whenever okay. you want? Okay. We have we have an abbreviated version that we can do early on. So when they're when they're a prospect, we have you know the big one that we do pretty early on in our relationship because it allows us to get to you know the the deeper issues that might be impacting the brand or the unique opportunities mm. that could be um, sitting right there waiting yeah. for us to take advantage of. And so um, you know imagine. Imagine you've got like 30 squares on a screen or on a board and you give the power to the client and they say, okay, number nine. And you flip over number nine. I don't know what's going to be behind number nine. The client doesn't know what's going to be behind number nine, but there's going to be something provocative and interesting and something for us to talk about. But I think what that does, it is a little bit of a yes and because we're saying, listen, we heard this about you. We know this about your audience. We know this about your brand. And how do we build on it? How do we think about it a little Mm. bit differently? And I've got one great example here. Um, Our Bush's Beans client. So we were in the middle of a CQ session with them. And um, one of the topics that we talked about was Duke Bush. And you know Duke the dog, right? Everybody knows Jay and Duke. He's an advertising icon. But what else could we do with Duke? What was the yes and for Duke Bush. And that led to the idea of what if Duke took over Instagram and he had his own Instagram channel. And that is what we did. So when Duke wasn't (laughs) on set, when he wasn't working with Jay in his commercials, what was he doing behind the scenes? What was his yoga practice (laughs) like? What was his, you know, meals like? Was he watching the crown or wasn't he watching the crown? And we had so much fun with that program, just following Duke and documenting his experiences. We took him on a red carpet event to PetCon, the world's largest pet influencer conference. He did autograph signings with some of the best uh, dog influencers in the world, which (laughs) who knew dogs can be highly more influential than humans, but it's true. But that's just a good example of like, yes, we know Duke in this one capacity, but, and he could do all of these other things. Wow. I love that. What a great, and I think that's that intersection, right? Because that's, it's a creative idea, but it really is a, it's a new business 
opportunity. It opens up, you know, oh, you you didn't have budget set aside for this social media account for your dog. <laughs> That's exactly right. They weren't looking for us to evolve Duke. That wasn't the initial assignment, but yeah. the the conversation led to an incredible opportunity. Wow. Man, this has been such a great conversation. I'm loving this so Me far. Me too. The, um, what about, let's just delve a little bit into your personal practice for a minute. How do you, does this same thing crossover into like family life, friend life and all of that? And, and is there, are there any correlations or connections that you discovered along the way where you're like, oh my gosh, like this has enabled me to like achieve more work-life balance or, you know, I don't know, like, is there, is there anything to learn from there? I mean, you're, you're doing the thing, you've got the family, you got the the job, you're yeah, I mean, you're juggling it all like the rest of us. I have a four month old, a three year old, a five year old. It's um, I'm definitely like right in the middle of it right now. <laughs> so any any break I have is uh, I'm napping a lot yeah. <laughs> whenever I can. But I think you know I look at my girls and I think about how you know raising them to be independent and 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 not afraid to share their their yeah. voice and have a point of view, which I think is just so important for people. Don't be afraid to share your point of view. Speak up. I don't care if you're a male or a female. I don't care your religion, your size, all of it. We all have a voice to share and it's just so important. So you'll hear me say to my three-year-old, well, what's your recommendation? What's your solution to this? I'm not gonna solve it for you. You're gonna have to think it through. So bring a brick. What's your brick? So if you asked my five-year-old, she would probably say, you know, okay, mom, here's my brick. But it's true because you want to get them <laughs> thinking in that capacity where they've got some value to add to the conversation and they're not just yeah. relying on somebody to solve it for them. That's awesome feedback. Now, as a mom, you have three girls? Yeah. So as a mom, let's put your mom hat on for a second. And since you have three girls, I want you to talk to the women in advertising, those who are you know, ambitious and excited and they just graduated and they're ready to jump in and take over the world and that sort of thing. What's your advice to them? You know, as someone who's been there, done that, and, and we've seen a lot evolve over the years. You know, there's a lot in the, this conversation has, has evolved over the years and, you know, I can't speak to it. That's not my experience. You know, I'm, I can't speak to that. So, you know, here we have a gift, you know, in you. So what, what would you say, you know, with your mom hat and your, um, your partner hat, you know, the head of this, this agency with all of that in context, what would you say to, um, a young girl graduating college? Who's just electric, like you were wanting to get into PR and, and advertising. I was like, what do you say to them? What's, what's your, what are your words? I have a lot to say. We could have a whole podcast on this because it is so important. And I think our industry in particular, we have a lot of work to do in advertising. There are a, a lot more men in the C-suite than there are women. And um, there are pay equity gaps that we have to fix. And um, I'm so proud to be a female leader and a female owner in this industry. I would say find find another woman who shares something that you do. Maybe they went to the same college as you, or, you know, obviously they're in the same field as you or somebody your parents know that they could introduce you to and make a connection. Having a mentor is so important. Mm -hmm. You guys never actually have to work together physically at the same company, but you guys can work with each other. I think 
as a woman, I want to build other women up and help them in this crazy world of advertising in any way that I can. So certainly reach out to me for <laughs> sure if you're listening to this and you're looking for you know some guidance or advice or, or even just a mentor. Um, but find somebody that you can trust, that you can ask questions to that perhaps could help open a door or give you feedback like it's a gift. Sometimes mm. I just look at a resume and you know we may never physically talk or meet, but I can offer you a piece of advice Advice that I think could help you, um, and that and that's just really important. So network, find a mentor, and then take any advice that you get and and apply it in as best way as you can in your life. Because um, you never know, you never know mm. what's going to happen, and the people that you meet and the doors that they can potentially open for you. That's awesome. Do you have a? Is there a truth and something that you've learned along the way where you're like, never again? Like I learned this and this is like, like I will always move in this direction moving forward or, you know, what, what are those failures, I guess, is what I'm digging at is what are the failures, you know, as we talk about improv, there's, there's a lot of lines. If you're doing improv, there's a lot of lines that don't land. The crowd doesn't laugh. You fall on your face. It doesn't happen. How do you recover from those? Or what are those, those sort of failing moments where you're just like, look, here's, Here's the raw of, of what I've learned. Well, we started this off by talking about the time when I put a CMO to sleep <laughs> for a $20 million piece of business that I really <laughs> wanted to win. It was an epic failure. And what that did for me, there's so much grace that can happen out of failing. I actually hate losing more than I like to win. And I find I get so much value when I do lose or when I do fail because I take it really hard and I study it and I pick one or two things that I'm going to do different next time. Never five, never more than two, <laughs> because I can really only work on myself or my team in, in a very small capacity because it's that important to me and I want to get it right. After that, you know, after I put that CMO to sleep, one of the first things I did was just start studying, like where, where did I miss? And it led me to improv and it led me to yes and, and that led me actually to Second City. You know, the Second City that Tina Fey and Steve Carell <laughs> kind of got their footing. I went directly to them and I said, listen, here are some struggles that I'm seeing in the business world. I want to be able to hold a room. I want to be able to have confidence. I want to be able to improv and, and stand on my feet. When somebody asks me a question, I want to step forward and answer it with confidence. I don't want to have to have a script. I want to be able to just speak in the moment and from my heart. And we put together a year-long training that I was very fortunate and very blessed to do with a bunch of my coworkers. And that is literally like, it changed the game for me because it mm. taught me techniques like yes and, and, and bring a brick and so many more. Like I've got your back. You know, one thing that improv um, comedians do before they go on stage every time is they pat the person next to them on the back. They look them in the eye and they say, I've got your back. And what that does is it says, no matter what happens on that stage or no matter what happens in that boardroom, I'm with you and I've got you. And if we fail, we fail together. If we succeed, we succeed together. And to me, that was just like eye-opening because we need to be doing that as leaders too. Well, you have held the room on this podcast and wow, I know people are going to love this show. I can't thank you enough for for being generous with your time and coming on and just to see how you've evolved since our ice cream project, you know, like I love it. That's the one thing I love about the show is I get to meet people um, that are new and discover them. But I also get to bring on people that like, 
you know, years ago I got a chance to work with and we're all sort of evolving in new and different ways. And I'm just so impressed by what you're doing. I'm such a fan cheering on from the sidelines and I just, I can't even thank you enough. It's been so awesome to have you on the show and uh, open invitation to the, to the rest of the team at Curiosity. Make sure you say hey to Jeff uh, for me over there. And um, man, this has just been a ton of fun. But I know that the listeners are like, at this point, how do I get in touch with this, with this girl? Like people want to know who you are. So I guess help, help me help them connect with you. What's your preferred method to get connected with, to network, to do all the things you're talking about, the mentorship, all those sort of things? How do we get in touch with Ash? Hit me up on LinkedIn. That's probably the okay. best place. That's where you and I started this yeah. conversation, which is great. But you know, I'm everywhere, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Okay. Um, or you can shoot me an email, Ashley at curiosity.fun. I'd love to connect. Okay. Cheers. And on LinkedIn, it's just Ashley Walters. Nine. Nine. Okay. I was apparently the ninth. Gotcha. You were the ninth. Okay. <laughs> so connect with her. Um, what else do do you got going on? What is there anything exciting that you want to share that that you're working on? Or you got any side hustles? You got anything that's like, oh, the world needs to know about this. This is this is where you get to share all the cool stuff. Yeah. You know, the thing I think I'm most excited about right now is um, working with See Her. If you are familiar with them, they're the largest gender equality movement in the advertising industry. And um, through our relationship with them, we're just learning how to write better, more informed scripts, how to select better, more inclusive photography, how to push our production partners and bring more equitable opportunities opportunities on and off camera, working with our clients and, um, you know, and all of their DEI efforts and just really figuring out how to create more stories that young girls and women see themselves in. And so it's certainly a personal project for me and something that um, has gotten a lot of attention and a lot of passion and curiosity. So you'll see a ton more of that coming out from us uh, in the months and years to come. Awesome. Well, that is amazing. We'll we'll leave it there, and uh, I'm going to to leave us with a yes and, and we won't we won't fill that in just yet because we'll see what happens between now and then, and the next time we have you on the show, you'll come back. Absolutely. Okay. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. For those of you listening, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. As always, every other week on Tuesday, a new show drops, and we're bringing you some of the the best and brightest talent in advertising and and talking about what it's been like for them to have uh, you know, been there and, and done that uh, in this space. So thanks for tuning in. As always, subscribe on uh, iTunes, Spotify. If you want to leave a review, that's great. If you don't, that's fine too. Uh, we're going to keep making the show. So see you guys later. Peace. Hey there. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you did, please subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Join the conversation on Instagram at a quick read podcast. See you in two. A Quick Read is a Leap Group podcast.